Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast. Today we're hearing one physician's story about online identity theft and what she wants other physicians to know. I'm joined by Dr. Natalia Solenkova, an intensivist in Miami and a frequent patient advocate on social media. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Solenkova, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Todd, and thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Well, uh, I know it's been a difficult month that you've been facing, um, starting with the fact of discovering that you'd been the victim of online identity theft. Um, but let's kind of start at the beginning here. Take us back to the initial moments. How did you first realize that something was wrong? Well, um, Twitter has become a part of my life in the last three years. So on January 2nd, I woke up, I saw something was wrong with my um, account. I suddenly gained a bunch of followers uh, and I the followers were commenting on my previous tweets and there was a lot of aggressive, hateful messaging. There was a screenshot of a tweet under my name, my Twitter handle uh, and tweet was um, something that I never wrote. And that Twitter said that I would inject a poison if, even if I knew that um, it was a poison. I still did it out of love and uh, people who didn't get vaccinated um, did it out of hate. And, um, but the main thing for me was that it was my uh, photograph, my name and my Twitter handle attached to the text that I never wrote. So this has got to be pretty shocking when something like that uh, happens to you. And uh, for, you know, people out there, this is not your, not an issue of where your account was hacked. This is somebody who's got a new account that basically makes it look like it's yours. And you later discovered right. that the tweet uh, is what misinformation researchers call a cheap fake. It's a term used for fake media, like an image or video that takes not a lot of effort to produce. Uh, what did you do once you realized what had happened and how quickly did something like that spread? Well, uh, I started researching which uh, account published this tweet first and I came to a bunch of accounts with a very large follower base who retweeted that uh, screenshot, sort of screenshot, a fake screenshot. And uh, accounts that had um, 800,000 followers, um, accounts that had 100,000 followers, and uh, a lot of um, followers started tagging my name and um, um, I mean, the tweet definitely spread really, really, really quick in those accounts. Well, let's talk about in particular one very, very significant account that uh, retweeted this without confirming the information. Who was that? Joe Rogan. So, I well, mean, how did that feel when you saw something like that happen? I, well, I was shocked because that. I mean, knowing that he has millions and millions of followers, 
that felt threatening. That felt threatening. Threatening to my career, threatening to my uh, job, threatening to my reputation. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, how do you, you're one voice, you're one physician out there. How do you get something like that turned around? Um, I think that was important to get mobilized and mobilize uh, every resource possible. So I started thinking of who I can reach out. And who, during the pandemic, I have been in contact with uh, a lot of physicians who did advocacy. And uh, I got quickly connected with uh, journalists. Um, I spoke to Taylor Lawrence, I spoke to Brandy Zadorozny, I spoke to a few other uh, journalists from other um, media sources, and I think with uh, media responding really quickly and Brandy Zadorozny writing an article, very extensive article, and then article coming in LA Times, and the fact that Joe Rogan acknowledged relatively quickly his mistake as well as Brett Weinstein who was his guest on the podcast it was very helpful that they wrote that they were duped um, and that tweet was fake so I think that helped a lot to not to have your reputation hurt you took care of the nation it's time for the nation to take care of you The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Now, you also turned to the AMA, and uh, I'd like to know a little bit about what that experience was like and why, you know, why did you reach out to the AMA? Well, uh, I felt that, well, first of all, I am an active member, as you know, of the AMA, and I uh, participate in most of the activities of the AMA that I can participate, and I I'm present on uh, annual and uh, interim meetings. And uh, for me, it felt that it was my advocacy work. My tweet, I use my Twitter pretty much for medical advocacy. I don't use it for personal, uh, some social tweets or something like that. It's usually medical and healthcare related tweeting. So... And it usually aligns with policies of AMA, and I've shared policies of AMAs and uh, policies that uh, we vote for or letters from the AMA. Therefore, I felt like maybe AMA will provide me with help and uh, guide me or maybe help me to uh, protect my reputation and my name. Unfortunately, uh, working with Twitter, we were able to uh, make a difference there. Uh, and in combination yes. with uh, the media coverage that you received, uh, began to really kind of help turn the tide in the conversation and gain even more support from the online physician community and others 
Uh, I know you've had just an incredibly tough, uh, tough uh, month. You must be exhausted from this. You know, where do things stand right now? Have they settled down at all? Yes, uh, thankfully, the things settled down significantly, and I don't receive hateful messages uh, that I've received in the first uh, week of uh, this bad tweet. And uh, from that perspective, harassment is definitely gone down. And even I've seen people on Twitter, if somebody brings up that tweet, uh, they are people who say, no, 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 this is this is a fake tweet. It was debunked, so don't even use that I think it's anymore. even labeled, so, kind of labeled. Uh, in one of the accounts I've seen, it was labeled as a mis, mis, uh, mis, misguiding tweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in some of the accounts, it's still not labeled, and it still exists, but at least in some of the accounts, it's labeled, which is also helpful. In some accounts, deleted that tweet completely. So from that perspective, it is definitely uh, an achievement. Uh, however, uh, I'm still, a, I, I have an attorney. <laughs> so, and we're still in the uh, legal work. So I, I can't really talk much about the legal part of it, but it's still in, in progress. Um Listen, this has got to be, you know, very harrowing for you, uh, given the nature of what happened here and the kind of low bar that which someone can target physicians like this. Uh, you're probably not the last person this is going to happen to. I'm curious, what's your advice to other physicians out there, those that are vocal, uh, those that are standing up to misinform misinformation on social platforms like this? You know, what did you learn that you can pass on to them uh, so that this does happen? They can uh, know what to do. I think, first of all, people who uh, doctors who do advocacy work and they're vocal on social media, they have to know before they start their social media advocacy that advocacy on social media comes with uh, at certain expense. And this is the expense that you will have to deal with hate. And uh, there will be people who have totally different opinion than yours. You should be prepared and you should realize how far you want to go in your advocacy, especially on controversial topics like disinformation, vaccines. And when you do a Google search, see what's available. Do you have your home address available? Do you have your phone number easily available in the Google search and make sure that maybe you can delete it first or you can reach out to the third uh, party websites and uh, get your information down before it can be used by caters so i think that's that's very important uh, minimize your personal information uh online dr solenkov i gotta ask because uh that's a tough lesson and, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a steep hill for those that are going to be active on social media. And there are a lot out there. Is that something you're reconsidering at this point? Um, I did stay quiet for most of January as I felt um, it took a lot of time to deal with this problem. And I 
stayed relatively quiet and then my account was locked. I recently unlocked my account on Twitter again and I am uh, tweeting again. Um, I do feel that somebody still has to do advocacy and I'm already out there and I will continue my advocacy work knowing that we are threat we, we can be threatened again our careers can be threatened. Dr. Solnikova, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, it's an important one and of course one that we're going to continue to deal with as uh, forces of misinformation are very very active and uh, do target physicians. Uh, thanks for standing up to that. Really appreciate. Thank you it. very much for having me. And I just want to say one last thing that I do believe that physicians need to know this story. It's extremely important, and we need to um, keep organizing against disinformation. And we need to stay organized, and we need to stand up to this disinformation and this um, harassment. So I, I really appreciate you having me here and letting me speak about this. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for being here. Uh, that's it for today's AMA update. We'll be back with another episode soon. In the meantime, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. <laughs>